The trail of life comes with many forks. Should you go left or should you go right? It's often difficult to know. Some trails lead to places you don't want to go. Other paths are too dangerous and not worth the risk. Still others fail to deliver on what they promise. Just how do you know? But then another hiker arrives. He's walked these trails before. Sometimes he simply points in the right direction. But other times he says, here, come walk with me. Will you choose the way of the wise? Whoever walks with the wise will be wise. Well, to get started this morning, we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to ask uh, Burl if he'll throw up a website for us here real quick that I want you to take a look at. If you're a hiker, you're maybe familiar with this either website or with this app. Actually, it's probably where you're more likely going to use it. If you're not a hiker, I'm doing you a favor here this morning by making you aware of this tool that's out there. And it's great that you can have this on your phone. But basically, any trail that there's in the United States, I don't know how far it goes beyond that, if it's worldwide or not, but at least in the United States, if you want to go hiking, they can, this can help you find a trail. Now, there's different ways that you can do it. This case here, I've actually brought up the trail of the, the, or the, uh, yeah, the trail that my wife and I last hiked when we were out in California visiting with our daughter. So this is about an hour outside of L.A., and it's called Ice House Canyon Trail. But if you notice this, it tells you lots of different things here on this uh, uh, website. It gives you a description of the trail. And for instance, it says there that the trail is 9.8 uh, miles long. It's a loop. It's near Mount Baldy, California, which is kind of a famous hiking place. The elevation gain there is 2,637 feet. So if you want to just put that into perspective, that would be the equivalent of walking up 260 flights of stairs if you're going to do this flight. And uh, it also tells you it should take you, if you read the description there, uh, five hours, 44 minutes to complete. That's pretty exact for a hiking route. I, I don't know how long it took my wife and me to do that. Um, we made it back pretty fast because it was pretty cold out there and I was freezing to death. But it was an absolutely fantastic uh, hike. Now, if you scroll down on that, Burl, you can do that. It gives a little more of a description there. It gives the weather that you could expect out on the trail. Keep going. And then it gives all the um, people rate this trail. So when you've gone out on this trail, they tell you whether it's been a four star or a five star. If you look there, like one person and two person picked you know, one or two stars. Almost everybody picked a five star there. And then as you go down there, you see Richard Lopez, and there's just all these different reviews that people give that have been on the hike. And they're in there chronologically. So uh, Richard Lopez was up there February 6th. Uh, is that today? I'm not exactly sure how he's doing that because it's only 8 o'clock in the morning, but he's ready to go. Okay, so he's been out there early hiking, and, uh, but it, it puts everybody's, and they kind of review the, the trail, and then they give you some tips along the way. And this section's really, really important to me because this trail tells like 
things that you need to know that aren't just in the, 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 the overall knowledge, like is it go by any steep drop-offs? And me with my love of heights, if there's steep drop-offs, I want to know uh, if they're on that trail because I might not be doing that trail. For my wife, like she likes to check to see if anybody's seen any snakes. And people will report that. Yeah, we saw a snake on the trail. And then you look at the date and it was like two days ago. It's like, ah, maybe we're going to try a different trail here. But it gives you all kinds of different things. And then they go down there and the, there's photos there and 6,440 photos if you want to see it of this uh, hike. And uh, I don't know if we added any to it or not, but a lot of times at the end, if you've done this trail, you can actually see that completed spot right there. You can actually put in that you were on this trail and that you did it too, and you could upload your own photos to this. So it's pretty fun. And then you see along the side there, there's different trails that you can choose as well. But if you go back up to the top, bro, there's something I want you to notice here that's really, really important. Next to where the stars are, there's a little thing right there, if you can see it, and it's very small there, but it gives the rating of the trail as far as difficulty. And basically, it says it's either easy, moderate, or hard, and that one up there says hard. Interesting to me is that in the United States, there's no uniform way to measure or to rate trails. They've tried to put something in this kind of like the duty decimal system, like a, this is a class one hike or a class two hike or a class three hike, and then class 1.2, class 1.3, class 1.4. It's never really caught on. And so you get out there and basically that's all you get. Is this an easy hike or is this an, a, a moderate hike or is it a hard hike? Or some people might call it difficult or strenuous. But the idea here is that you know ahead of time what it's going to be like. And so you're checking mileage or you're checking elevation or you're checking what type of terrain that you're going to be over. And then you make your decision on whether or not you want to take this hike based on how it's rated. And I have to confess, when my wife and I see something that says hard, we're like all in. Okay, if it's going to be 10 miles, yeah, we're doing it. If we're going to climb up 2,600 feet, yeah, we're doing it. And we get all excited about that. But here's what we know about these hikes. Generally speaking, it's not always true, but generally speaking, the more difficult the hike, the more rewarding the experience. Let me say that again. The more difficult the hike, the more rewarding the experience. And I started here this morning as we talk about the way of the wise because I want to talk about a trail that most of us have been on. In fact, most of us are probably on right now where the degree of difficulty would be defined as difficult or hard or strenuous. But it can be a very rewarding trail as well. But it's the trail of adversity. The trail of adversity. And maybe you are on that trail this morning. You are facing some hard times. In fact, probably most of us are there. Whether it's something that's going on at home or something that's going on at work or something that we're dealing with health-wise or, or maybe it's something that's going on with extended family or it could be kids or it could be something going on at, at school. We all struggle with this idea of adversity. And most of us, if we're completely honest, if we got to see a website like this, and if it said instead of Ice House Canyon Trail, if it said adversity, difficult, we'd keep scrolling. Oh, let's see if we can find something else out there. But I want to propose to you this morning that maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we should be okay with being on the trail of adversity, 
At least that's what our fellow hiker is going to tell us this morning. And that's a guy by the name of James. And so I want to encourage you to turn to the book of James right near the end of the New Testament there. You can use your Bible or your device. And we want to look at what he has to say as a fellow hiker out there on the trail of adversity. But as, we, uh, as you turn there, let me just take a, a minute here to, uh, to wrap up where we've been on this, um, this section of life trails. We've been talking about the way of the wise. And just do a quick review on some of the things we've been, we've been looking at here for the last several Sundays. But our basic idea has been this, that there are people out there who can help us People out there in Scripture who can help us know what wisdom is. And so we've really uh, taken a deep dive in this idea of wisdom. But instead of, of using a, um, a one-size-fits-all, all-encompassing uh, definition of wisdom, we've tried to parse it out a little bit and say, well, wisdom looks like this, and wisdom looks like this, and wisdom looks like this, and wisdom looks like this. And we've looked at several different um, uh, aspects of wisdom. The first one we looked at a, a couple weeks ago, was this, is it going to, there we go, the skill of looking ahead and predicting likely outcomes. And I'm using the word skill there instead of ability, because normally I would say, well, wisdom is the ability to look down the road, see what's coming. But it's actually more than an ability, it's actually a skill. Ability, talents, those are the types of things that we're often born with. Skills are things that we develop. And one of the things that the Bible very clearly teaches us is that we can learn to be wise and we can develop this skill of wisdom. The idea, though, is that we're going to have to want to get better at wisdom. And one of the ways that we can do that is by simply pausing, looking down the road and saying, where is this going? Where is this choice going to take me? Where is this decision going to leave me? Where is this option going to play out? How is it going to look? And by looking down the road, we can have more wisdom. Second week, we talked about the skill of making tough calls. Seldom in life do we ever have all the information that we need. And never in life can we actually put ourselves into the future to know exactly how things will turn out. And so we've got to create some tests and some grids in our story, in our lives, so that we can sort out when we have the tough calls. And that's what we talked about, though, is wisdom being that ability to test the truth and to make the tough call. Last week, we looked at an interesting story in the book of Proverbs chapter 30. It was there about a king by the name of Lemuel and some advice that his mother gave him, which I found completely fascinating in studying it. But she basically said two things. She said, remember who you are. You're my child. You're God's child. You're the king. And remember who you're supposed to be or who you want to be. And if you'll remember those two things... That will help you make decisions in life, and I really think that is true. And if you'll make those good decisions, it will protect you from some of the hardships in life. But not all of the hardships in life. And that's why we get to a place that we are this morning where we're talking about this idea of adversity. And it brings us to another aspect of wisdom that I would just say this way. It is the skill of handling life's curves. The skill of handling life's curveballs. Ever notice how different people can face the same obstacle and deal with it differently? The exact same thing comes down the the, the pike and and one person is overwhelmed by it and succumbs and is defeated by it. It comes to a second person and that person faces it 
grits his teeth and kind of gets through it and endures it. And then he gets to that, we get to that third one who faces this adversity and somehow in the process learns to make the best of it. And what is the differentiating characteristic? I think it's wisdom. And so I would say it this way. Wisdom is the skill of extracting benefit from any situation. Wisdom is the skill of extracting benefit from any situation. That sounds great, doesn't it? But how does that work? Well, let's check in with James, who's a guy who's out there hiking on the way of the wise. And the way of the wise we define as people who are walking life's trails that we can walk beside, and they can teach us something about that trail. And James is a guy who can teach us about the trail of adversity. Now, first of all, who was James? James was the half-brother of Jesus. He did not become a believer until after the resurrection. But after the resurrection, he was all in on this faith thing and believing that Jesus was indeed the Messiah, the Son of God. He became the head of the church in Jerusalem. In fact, that was a, I mean, that was a pretty significant role because that was a church that just exploded in growth. And he was the guy who was leading that church and responsible for, for its spiritual well-being. Interestingly, not one of the original disciples. But James was in charge of the church and congreg uh, congregation there in Jerusalem when everything went crazy. If you get to Acts chapter 6, we, we, we find these deacons that are added to the church. And one of them is a guy by the name of Stephen. And Stephen ends up in Acts chapter 7, gets stoned to death and gets, he's a martyr for his faith. Well, with that, persecution broke out in Jerusalem there. And Christian people were all of a sudden threatened in huge ways with their lives. And so many of them packed up and just took everything they had and ran and got out of Jerusalem and went to various places. And those are the, are the ones who remained, lived in fear, because you never knew when somebody was going to knock on your door and you were going to be the next one who was going to be, to be you know, persecuted for your faith. And so James is on this trail of adversity big time. Half his church is just gone. It, it's dispersed, and there's no live stream. The other half of his church is, is literally trembling because they don't know what's going to ha happen next. And James decides, you know what? I need to say something to my people. And so he writes this letter, the book of James. The book of James was probably the first uh, book of the New Testament, one of the first, if not the first. And in it, he shares some really practical advice, saying, hey, yeah, 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 it's tough right now, but here's how you need to live as a Christ follower. And this is a book that's way more about practice than is it about doctrine, but he's trying to give some advice here to his people. He has a very unique writing style. In fact, he doesn't seem to be much of an outliner. And some people, when they write, they make a big outline and they kind of follow it. It looks, as you read through the book of James, that he just like made a list of all the things he wanted to cover. And so he covered number one, and then he covered number two, and then he covered number three. And then he thought about something he should have covered on number one. And he goes back and he hits it. And that's as you read through James, it's kind of like this bullet point list. And it's a little bit random. Many scholars, though, compare the book of James to the book of Proverbs because of that structure. And they consider it a New Testament version of just wisdom and advice that's given like Proverbs was because it just deals with all kinds of life situations. And so it's like this life manual 
here's how to live your life as a Jesus follower. So we meet James on the trail of adversity, but we also meet him on the way of the wise. And those two paths can be the same thing. So the way of the wise, in fact, maybe we could say that the trail of adversity, we can turn into the way of the wise. But let's read what James has to say here. Uh, starting in chapter 1, verse number 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. And he has one line of introduction, and then he just dives right in, and here's what he says. Are you ready for this? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Seriously? Consider it pure joy. So you get up in the morning, you got a big problem, and you're like, yes! That's what he's saying. And when it says pure joy, the word here could be translated all joy. In other words, he's saying, you're not just looking for this silver lining in your situation. Your situation is the silver. Forget the lining part of it. Consider it all joy whenever you face troubles of many kind. And notice what he says there too. He says, when you face trials, not if you face trials. So it's going to happen. Just approach it with joy. And here's how you can do this. Verse number three, you can have pure joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So every trial that you face is going to have an outcome, just like every trail that you take has a destination. And that destination can be perseverance. And so this adversity that you're facing is simply a path that gets you to a place that you want to go. Because you want to go to the place of perseverance. Because at the place of perseverance, it says in verse number four, let perseverance finish its work so you may become mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so you want to take this place because it's going to get you to perseverance because when you get to perseverance, it's going to create maturity in you and maturity in your faith that's going to be fulfilling, that's going to be meaningful, that's going to be helpful to you as a Christ follower. And so that's really where you want to go, isn't it? I want to be a mature Jesus person, a mature Christian and James is saying, that's where you want to go? Well, this is how you're going to get there. You're going to get there on this trail that's rated hard or difficult or strenuous. And then he goes on and says something really, really important. This is where it ties into our Way of the Why series here. He says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who generously gives to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So when you are on this trail of adversity, and this is the context here of this, of this verse, this is about wisdom and adversity, but when you're on this trail of adversity, you can ask God to give you wisdom. You can ask God to give you wisdom to know how to navigate this trail because you're going to need it. But you can also ask God to give you wisdom to help you benefit from this trail because that's God's purpose. And so sometimes we use this verse as like, well, if you just need wisdom, ask God. And that's true. But specifically, this verse is saying, when you are in adversity, this is the time right now to ask for wisdom. Because you're going to need it. Verse number six, when you ask, 
Ask in faith, don't doubt, because God gives us wisdom. So here's a conclusion of this, of this passage. When we face trials, we can face them with expectation because we know that they can help us. But when we face trials, we're going to need God's wisdom because you know what? We're probably going to be overmatched. And that's okay. So what does this teach us about wise people? And what does this teach us about how to become one? Well, there's, there's four ideas here. The first one is this. Wise people realize that adversity is inevitable. Wise people realize that adversity is inevitable. It happens to everyone. It's impersonable. In fact, sometimes though, we, we sometimes sit and we think like, why did this happen to me? You know, why am I I'm the one that's getting picked on? And, and why is this coming my way? It happens to everybody. Has anybody not had your car break down? Okay, yeah, it, it happens, you know. If, if you had to call the heater guy to, to come out and fix your furnace... You know, I, I had a house where, like, we were best friends. He was out so many times to work on And I used to think, why is, this, why is this happening? It happens to everybody. So if you're going through adversity this morning, you probably haven't been singled out. It's just part of the price of being human. Now, sometimes we go through adversity and we're like, well, you know, God's just mad at me. And, and, and we think that it's God's punishment. It might be. It might be God's discipline. God might be looking at you right now and going, hey, 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 I need to get your attention. So we'll bring some adversity in your life because that will turn you around and get you looking that way. That might be true. And God might be using that to get your focus back on him, not necessarily to punish you, but to, to discipline you and say, hey, I, I need to get you back on track. And you can ask that question. Okay, what am I going through? Is, is this something that I'm bringing on myself? And is this part of God's discipline? But that's not necessarily going to be the case because there are many times when problems come that aren't because of anything that you did wrong. It's just because of the fact that you are human. And as humans, we deal with this and we live in a world that where people are doing things that affect us too. It's not our fault. It just happens to us. But when you're dealing with adversity, just realize that it's universal. Everybody goes through it. And because of that, we don't need to get panicked. In fact, I would say it this way. Don't get rattled. It's not necessarily you. And so if you're dealing with adversity right now, I'm, I am very sorry that you are. But if, if misery loves company, you got a lot of company. Because that's just what life is. And sometimes it's a big thing and sometimes it's a small thing. But adversity is generally part of our lives. And wise people realize that and they don't get rattled. Okay, I got some adversity right now. <laughs> Me and everybody else. But secondly, wise people refuse to be overcome or overwhelmed by their adversity. Wise people refuse to be overcome or overwhelmed by their adversity. If you could advance that slide for me there, because my clicker is not working again. But they seek to control what they can control. They seek to control what they can control. Wise people don't uh, get overcome by adversity because they realize that adversity can only do so much. It can affect them and it can influence them, but it doesn't have to defeat them. And they know that they can actually make it better or make it worse. And have you thought about that? 
When you are facing adversity, you have the ability to move it. So if adversity is right here, you can move it one way to make it better, or you can move it another way to make it worse. And we do that. Sometimes we're like, okay, we'll figure this out. Well, what happens? We just moved it this direction. Okay, maybe um, you know, God will, will help us out with this. We move it in this direction. Maybe I'll learn a lesson that will be really important. Maybe this will set me up for something, and we can keep moving it in this direction. What do we tend to do? Oh, poor me. Oh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. Oh, this is going to be terrible. We'll never make it. We're all doomed. And we just keep, hey, but wise people refuse to be overwhelmed by adversity because they know that they have some ability to affect it. They can't make it go away, but they can have some control and how it impacts them. And so the, the key there is don't get rattled. It's not something that needs to overwhelm you. In fact, how many of you, let's just take a, a, a real quick poll here. How many of you have dealt with adversity in the past? How many of you have lived through it? There's a point there, isn't there? And sometimes we're like, oh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. I'm never going to make it. But you have every single time in the past. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that, that this is just a moment or this is just for a season. And there can actually be good that comes out of it. It's not something that needs to overwhelm us. This adversity is likely not even going to last forever. There will be a destination, and that destination, if nothing else, will be the fact that you will grow in your faith. So as you work on your attitude, and that's really what this is all about here at this point, as you work on your attitude, consider this. If you go through this now, it may mean that in the future you don't have to. You just, like, get to be done with it. That'd be nice. Remember back before we had vaccines for chickenpox? People used to just like expose their kids. Let's just get it over with. And maybe that's the, the case sometimes. The adversity is, you know, we'll go through this now because then we won't have to deal with it on the other side. Or we'll go through this now because on the other side, I will have a handle then on how to deal with it. And so I'm struggling right now, but you know, once I get better at it, I remember when we moved from, we moved from Michigan down to Indiana when I was in second grade. And I didn't realize this, how much advanced Indiana was. But Indiana in second grade, you, you already had been taught how to write in cursive. Anybody remember what cursive was? But I remember when I moved down there and every kid in second grade was writing in cursive, but I had no idea what it was. Well, you know what? I kind of learned to write in cursive. You've never seen me write in cursive because it's so bad. But the idea was that, you know, if you practice it long enough, you start to learn it. And this is the same thing here. Sometimes these troubles and adversities, we kind of get through them because it, it gets us past them. And then we can move on to, to bigger things here. And sometimes, even if I have to deal with it now, what it does for me in the future is it gives me some warning signs. So I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. And so as we look at this adversity, we can look at this and say, you know what? This is a for now thing. It's not a forever thing. Well, there's a third point that comes from this passage here, and it's this. Wise people expect adversity to come with opportunity. Wise people expect adversity to come with opportunity. Usually when I face adversity, not always, but usually when I face adversity or hard times or struggle, it's something new, something that I haven't dealt with before. 
Because usually if I've dealt with it before, I kind of have a handle, okay, here's what I need to do, and I kind of move on. But when it really kind of like jolts me, it's like, oh, this is something new, this is a new struggle. And I can look at this and say, okay, this is the thing that's finally going to defeat me. Or I can look at this and say, you know what? There is potential here. And this is the whole point that James is making as he writes this letter. He's saying, when you look at this trouble, stop looking at the problem and look at the potential. Because this is going to teach you something. It's going to take you something. And the biggest way it's going to affect you, if you will let it, if you will choose this, is it will grow your faith. Now, I don't know about you. But I would like to have more faith than what I have. I'd like to have a bigger faith than what I have. I'd like to have a more mature faith than what I have. I'd like to have a more steady faith than what I have instead of it bouncing around as much as it does sometimes. And what James is saying here is, well, if you really want that, guess what? Adversity is going to be one of the paths to get you there. It's not the only one. And God uses different ways to grow our faith, but God also uses adversity And I think it's a little bit like taking the hard trails when it's talking about Kelly and me, is you get to the end and you're like, yes, we did it. That sometimes we go through adversity and we get to the end and it's like, yeah, we made it. We handled that. We figured that out. God was good to us. God got us out the other side here. But we realize that in adversity, there is potential. And that's why I would say don't get rattled This can have a positive outcome. Don't get rattled. This can have a positive outcome. And then there's a fourth idea here. And it's this. That wise people look at God more than at adversity. Wise people look at God more than at adversity. And so much of life and so much of life as we deal with this idea of adversity and and struggle and hardship. It's just focus. But when I I have a choice, I can look at what's in front of me. Or for me, adversity is when we're walking on that trail and it's looking down in the place where I could fall. I can look there or I can look up. Now, when I'm walking on one of those trails, my wife, she doesn't laugh at me out loud. But I can just see her snickering because, you know, she's just walking along like that. And I'm like shuffling along there. But you know what I never do? I never look down. I'm just like, but God takes it, James takes it a step further, and he says, how about if you do this? How about if you look up? And when we're in these situations where we are dealing with hardship and adversity, we can look up. Because we have a God who says, hey, I'm good and I'm generous. And so I will give you help in getting through this so you will know what to do. And then we have a God who says, not only that, I'm wise. And I will help you learn from it. And I will help you extract the benefit from it. So we're encouraged to turn to an eternal God who already knows the end. So he can help us get there. We're we're encouraged to turn to a good God who wants what's best for us. We're encouraged to turn to a powerful God who can do whatever needs to be done to fix our situation. And so I would say, don't get rattled. You don't have to face this alone. 
There's help. And there's help that's so positive and so affirming. It says what? When you ask, just expect it and do not doubt. So, this morning, my guess is that you are hiking this trail of adversity. And maybe the section you're on right now isn't that hard. And maybe the section you're on right now is extremely difficult. And you're just hanging on for dear life and just trying to move forward, not looking down, just doing the best that you can. But we're all on this trail. It's part of our existence. But there's other hikers on the trail. And sometimes it's the other hikers that, that we sit in this room with, that we worship with, and, and we can be an encouragement to each other. But sometimes it's the hikers who've already been on the trail this morning, who have come off the trail and have made a note, a review. A guy like James who says, oh, you're on the trail of adversity? That's okay. Yeah, it's hard. But hang in there. Because you'll make it. Because this can benefit you. Because you can learn from this. Because God will be there for you. Because God can use this for good in your life. Because adversity can be really rewarding. So when you get to the website and you call it up and it says the trail of adversity, don't check just what the rating is. Is it easy moderate or hard, I'll just tell you. It's going to be hard. Check the stars. And the people have gone before you, the people like James, whose church just got blown up, and he rates it at five stars. That says something, doesn't it? Let's pray. God, thank you for the fact that you don't waste the adversity in our lives. I think sometimes the enemy brings it and you're like, oh, that's fine. I'll just use that. I can redeem that. And you are a God who redeems our stories in so many ways. God, I pray for the people who are sitting in this room this morning who are dealing with adversity. And some of it is deep and some of it is hard and some of it is overwhelming. I pray that they would be encouraged by your word this morning that tells us all not to be rattled. But I pray that they would be encouraged by your spirit this morning too who says I am with you and I am in you. And so God, I pray for encouragement for all of us. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I think it's good to have a moment of reflection. But if you're a Christ follower and, and you're on this path right now, what do you need to take from this? Maybe it's just asking for wisdom. Maybe it's changing your perspective. Maybe it's looking for the growth in your faith that God's offering. Where do you need to go with that? If you're on the trail of adversity and you don't know Jesus Christ, well, then it's probably going to feel a little more lonely. And if you never invited Jesus Christ into your life, he'd like to give you hope. He would like to give you freedom. He would like to give you forgiveness. He would like to give you the promise of heaven someday and the promise of help today. I encourage you to invite him into your life. Simple prayer. 
where you sit this morning. Dear God, we all find ourselves on this trail of adversity. We're not the first and we're not the last. Help us to learn from those who have gone before us. And God, help us to be encouragers to those who come behind us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.